21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. If you're stuck, I think the number one most important thing is to have thought time followed by action. And so having quiet time and space to think for yourself, understand who you are, where you are in the moment, and then to decide what are the next steps? What is it like, even if it's just one small step? And then go and execute and take action. Even if it is the smallest action of just simply making the next meeting the best it can possibly be. And I think that if we couple that time and space that creates clarity on key next steps combined with action, and then that done on repeat will create, like I've just experienced that it creates an intentional life that's meaningful to me and those around me. And when I have that time to think in that space, it lets all the other white noise, and there's a lot of white noise around us these days. You know, we're being bombarded by everything, all moments. You know, and the wearable tech and the the phones are giving us notifications of what we got to do next and how we got to get better. And it can create noise at all times. And so I think, how do we get rid of the noise so that we can make our own decisions for what needs to happen that's meaningful for us? Then I think it can completely change the game and it has for me. I suppose sport played big role as well. Oh, huge. The specific mindset that you have and that you had. And that's part of what I wanted to share in the major draw to write the book was, so at one point I lost 70% of my business in one conversation and poof, it vanished, right? And so, I mean, I was in a world of hurt and a lot of pain. And I'm like, well, what do I, you know, I, 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 now, now what do I do? Like, do I shut the business down? Do I go back to school? Do I start another company? Do I work for someone else? Do I start, you know, afresh and try and rebuild it? And what do I do? And so I had some great mentors around me and one of them had been through this exact situation. He's like, oh, I've been, I've been there. Even in the same industry, like I'd ser- searched out a mentor in the same industry as me that had experience with that. So I called him and I'm like, you know, Peter, what do I do? You know, what's going on? He says, oh, I've been there. First of all, I know this really sucks. And I'm like, it hurts a lot. And secondly, he's like, well, we talked about ways of how to proceed and get through it. And you know, we decided the best way was to get through the pain as quickly as possible. Rip the bandaid off is a good analogy. And so, ripped the bandaid off, decided to rebuild the company, went through the pain of dealing with the, the dissolution of the, the agreement that I had with that company. It got through it as quickly as possible. So, about two weeks of pain. And 
and uh, a lot of stress. And, and then it's like, no, now I'm going to, I've got a blind slate. Let's make a new game. And it's going to be on my You know, during the period of pain, you know, first off, when I first heard about it, I was at a conference in San Antonio and I, in Texas, and I brought my wife. And so my wife didn't travel with me very often for business, but every now and then. But San Antonio is a great city and where we wanted to go and uh, spend some time there together. And so then they, it's over, I get the news, I go back to the hotel and she's actually sick. She got really sick on the way down with a bad sinus infection. So she's in the hotel basically sleeping and I come in and I'm like, okay, I got some bad news. So what are we going to do? And so we just took a pause and, and we looked at our options and we looked at, yeah, do we shut the business down? Do I go back to school? We've got two kids at this point. On emotional level, are you a person that can cry, for example, or are you a person that, that went for, for long runs, like every day, 10 miles of runs? How did you cope with it on, on, your, on your physical level as a human being? Yeah, so, I mean, the first two weeks probably didn't do a lot of, it was just a lot of in my head and dealing with the problems. What I did have was very lucky was a network of people. So I'm an avid athlete. And so I worked out some during that time period, but not as much, you know, this was 2012. This was a while ago. Um, I, I would, ch I've changed, I've shifted that now. What was the shift? So the shift now is I recognize like that the physical activity is so critical to my clear thinking that, you know, these things that I put into place as I went through that recovery and then I got back into training, but the first two weeks, no, it was just head down, figure it out. I didn't do a ton of that. But since like when COVID hit, I'm like, oh, okay, I've been here before. Like, it, I'm like, this is, I lost 60% overnight, boof, where's it going? I'm like, oh, this is okay. This is going to work out just fine. There's going to be lots of opportunities that come from this crisis, and I'm going to be the guy that's ready to go and make it happen. You did the whole circle, and now you're back into physical activities. Yeah, so I think, you know, one in 2012, when this crisis happened, I was, you know, my whole world was on fire and I'm like, what do I do? And so that got lost. I didn't do the physical activity then. And that, and that was not, you know, and looking back, I'm like, ah, reflecting, I could have done more. Once I got through the first two weeks, then it was better then yes 100% got back and engaged and involved in my activity and everything was good but um, in fact I even started um, a new sport like I 
I went from sprinting and football uh, to triathlon, which is a completely opposite type of sport uh, because it's slow and long versus like high intensity and fast and power. Do you think it, it has something to do with uh, how old are you or is it something that is just better for for you on a physical level or why you did that switch, do you know? Yeah, the message for that, for me, it was honestly just do something I'd never done before. Ah, uh-huh, okay. And I'm like, I've spent, you know, from the time I was, you know, in university playing football to, you know, at 2012, I'm 39 years old. I've been in sprint power mode the entire time. And I'm like, well, I can do endurance stuff. I could when I was younger. I'm going to try again. I'm going to just change my body makeup. And so just for the interest of trying something completely different and new and figuring out a way to do something. And I was an okay swimmer, not very good. And if you told me I had to swim for a kilometer, I would have said that's not going to happen. And... I'm like, well, how can I get over that? And an open water swim for that distance too, I was scared. So I'm like, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to figure it out. I'm an athlete. I'm going to solve this problem. And so I wanted to change even the physical makeup, like power and speed athletes are fast twitch, red muscle fiber. And I'm like, well, how can I go to long and slow and also change my mindset instead of power fast. Now it's like patience, endurance, timing, consistency and so i intentionally wanted to just change up how i approach things physically i was at that place in life of like let's do something completely new and different uh and so i gave it i changed my sport there for a while how have your experiences as an entrepreneur and athlete and leader shaped who you are today yeah so yeah that's a good question i think that I mean, definitely has changed a lot over time, right? <laughs> uh, I used to want to do everything myself. I wanted to, you know, I knew I wanted to delegate, but I struggled to do that very well. And so I also, I think, wanted to be the hero in a lot of respects as a young leader and entrepreneur. I'm like, oh, I want to be the smart guy. I want to be the person that solves the problem. And I don't need to be that anymore. And I mean, I like being smart. I like to be the one that solves a problem, but I'm just as excited, maybe more excited if I can coach and empower you to solve your own problem. And then I'm in the back and I'm okay with that. And so I enjoy that quite a lot now as a leader and asking more questions and just being more of a coach than kind of the hero. It's easy to say that I want to delegate, I want to let go, I want to coach someone else to do this, but it's much harder to do. And so I think 
if I was to give advice is to honestly, I think a huge element is understanding yourself. And so understanding where you're at, what emotions are at play, and especially guys, you know, in the past, we're like emotions, ah, you know, let's, I didn't spend much time thinking about them. You know, it was happy, sad, or mad, you know, like whatever this was very basic. But as I learned as a leader, understanding where I'm at and what's going on for me in the moment allows me to give better direction. And I'm not, I mean, this is a never ending journey to get good at this kind of thing. But I think if I'm giving advice, I'd say understand yourself more and give yourself time to learn about yourself this way and find other people that are interested in that same journey and and explore that. Because in order to be an effective leader, in order to, to grow and delegate to other people, we have to have control of that side of our brain. Because if we don't, the logic side, a great analogy, um, Jonathan Haidt from the happiness uh, hypothesis, it's like an elephant and a rider. And the rider is the, the conscious, logical, rational self. You know, so we're like, hey, I need to hire smart people. I need to teach them how to do the thing. And then I need to let get out of the way and let them do the thing, right? The elephant is, everything else it is the emotions the unconscious irrational subconscious type stuff and the elephant's way bigger than the rider and the problem is we spend all this time negotiating with the rider you know i am i'm gonna hire that smart person and they have a good resume and they have this and then i'm gonna teach them this and i'm gonna get out of their way but the problem is if you don't have the emotional side under control as soon as you hit this moment of like decision and you don't have emotions under control, the elephant takes over and it squishes the person that you're working with. Because your emotions are not under control and you're not aware of them. And I've watched this happen. I've done it. I know. And I've watched this happen with leaders that I coach. I'm working with this leadership team and uh, the, the, the key leader, you know, we, give, we do this exercise in our annual strategic planning and it's a team health thing. And it's like, hey, you know, Martin, like, here's the one thing I admire most about you. And here's the one thing I need you to improve on, start or stop doing over the next year. And so this one leader, he's the owner of the company. He says to his finance leader, Hey, I need you to speak up more and make more decisions. We need more from you. The person's like, okay, okay. And everyone listens to the feedback and then they make commitments. And the finance leader made a commitment. I am going to speak up more and make more decisions. So this is day one in the annual. Day two in the annual, we do problem solving. And we, we call it, anyway, we issue solve. And so I watch the, the finance person and this issue is related to them. And I watch them and they build themselves up and they're like, and they kind of puff up their chest and they go, okay, 
I think we should do this. And this is my decision. And the owner looks at her and says, that's a terrible effing decision. That's never going to work. Okay. So anyways, and the poor finance person was sitting there going, and I watched her shrink in her seat and she folded her arms and she's like, I'm done. And so she was like, she completely checked out and I asked her like, Hey, where are you at right now? She's like, well, I'm done. What's the point of saying anything? Like it, it, this is useless. I, he asked me to do this, but then he didn't let me do it. And so what happened is the rider was like, Oh, I need you to speak up more and make more decisions. And the elephants like, screw that. Like he didn't have control of his emotions and it got the better of him. And so a long story to tell you, uh, but you know, to give advice to entrepreneurs and leaders, and this isn't just entrepreneurs that struggle with this problem. It's other leaders in the company too. And to have a grip on a grasp on that emotional side and recognize like, was it a bad idea? Possibly. It might not have been the right decision, but if he wants that leader to step up more, his feedback and response to that idea might have needed to take a, a different path. You know, if he was going to be successful in coaching her. And so it's a, a common challenge I see with leaders and something I'm passionate about helping people with. I'd say one of the other really powerful things that I learned as an entrepreneur is, you know, I'm in a peer group, I'm an entrepreneur's organization or EO, if you've ever heard of them. Um, and, and one of the members in my little mini group called a forum uh, shared a book with me one day. And, you know, I, I'm reading this book is called Traction. And it was, I'm like, wow, where has this book been all my life? I'm reading this book and it talks about this thing called EOS or the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it kind of pulled together all these brilliant books that I'd read in the past, you know, from like Stephen Covey and um, Jim Collins and Vern Harnish and Michael Gerber and all these brilliant business books. And it tied them all together into one set of tools. And it was super simple, which I thought was really great. And I thought I could use these tools in my business. I tried a few things, I've tried lots of stuff over the years. To the point where my poor team was just like, oh no, you've been to another EO event, haven't you? You know, the eyes would roll. And I'm like, no, 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 like this is, this is gonna work. We have to do this. And so we implemented this tool set in our business and it helped us get clarity on like our vision and where we're headed, uh, our people and how do we like get the right people into the right seats, really simple structure and how to do that, uh, how to manage our numbers, our data better, how to problem solve the issues and opportunities and leverage those opportunities once we saw them, how to develop good processes top to bottom in the business and how to gain traction, right? How to execute better. And this 
like I'd been chasing my tail for so many years and like trying this and it would last for a couple of weeks or a month and then it would go away and try something else. And I felt failure as a leader because of my inability to get this stuff done for my team. You know, I was carrying this big weight on my shoulders of like, I have to show them where we need to go and I need to carry them there. And it was, I was carrying far too much weight. I was at times would put aside time and big 65 page strategic plan. And it would take me weeks and weeks and I'd have to focus and turn everything else off. And just so I could focus on this big, massive project to create planning. And I felt that was my responsibility as a leader and owner of the business. And then I read this and they're like, oh my gosh, don't spend that much time on this kind of thing. They're like two pages, fill these handful of questions out to get clear. And, and I'd like, I'm like, oh my God, where was this in the past? Because if I just had that simplicity in place before, then I could spend more time with the team actually executing and helping the team execute and coaching them and doing all these other things. And so we put this tool set into our company and it was transformative for us. Like it, we, we were grinding for 10% of your growth and working our tails off. And we put in this tool set and we grew seven times in revenue in the next two and a half years. And yet it was easier and more peaceful and it felt more intentional and it just was like these little moments of pulling out and thinking high level make decisions create a game plan and then go back into the business you know in small entrepreneurial business they talk about working on the business versus working in the business and it's not like all one or the other it's actually a balance between the two and the right balance i've found is about maybe 10% of the time, 20% of the time working on the business. And then, you know, 80% working in the business. We still got to get stuff done. And so I was trying to do too much on for a while and didn't have the right balance or I was all in and no planning and that didn't work either. And this is just created a nice balance between the two. And then in doing so, I engaged some key leaders on my team and created a true leadership team. And um, there were some huge revelation moments for me in that of, you know, stuff that I'd created in these moments of all this hard work. And, and I kind of gave it to them, okay, this is what we're doing. This is why we do it. And this is, and I'd never stopped to ask them, like, do you like it? <laughs> Does this work for you? And so we had these moments as like, I'm, we're rebuilding this thing with the EOS tool set in place. And I asked my, my right-hand guy, uh, Frankie was his, is his name. And, and I'm like, hey, Frankie, so like our passion, our, our, our vision statement, do you like it? And he's like, I think this is amazing, Chris. I use it every day. I use it with our customers. I use it with our suppliers. It drives me. It's given me this guiding light. And I use it all the time. And I'm like, I felt incredibly good <laughs> in the moment, but I, 
like kind of laughed or like I'd never even asked him this question before. And now we looked at our mission statement and both of us agreed it was complete garbage. It was like, make everybody happy with everything. The best people processes, practices, and, you know, and the, the, you know, in the industry leaders and like MBA garbage. Right. And we're like, okay, now we can make, we both agreed this one sucks. Let's make it better. And so we recreated something new together and it was far better and it worked way, way better for us. But the, the, the thing that was happening in that moment is I was transferring load. This was no longer all this weight on my shoulders. And I realized that by him helping create the path forward and the vision for the organization, uh, I still had my head on the rudder. You know, if I didn't like it, you know, it probably wasn't going to get approved. But the collaborative process of creating that together was hugely powerful so that later I transitioned out of that business to just three hours a month, no day-to-day role. It wasn't my vision they were making happen. It was theirs. And so their full engagement in the creation of that stuff became super powerful as the years wore on and I got out of my day-to-day role. So that was a huge learning for me. And someone's, you know, I was trying to figure out how to run my business, but I have a degree in entrepreneurship and I've lived entrepreneurship since day one. And I was spending all this time trying to figure out how to run the business and someone had already done the work. And I'm like, oh, if I could give anyone advice is just you find an operating system. There's a number of good ones out there. I mean, EOS is clearly my favorite, but there's great ones out there, but get a system and use it. Someone's done the work and leverage their work and spend your energy, that precious energy we have as entrepreneurial leaders into getting stuff done that's important. And the tools can just save you a ton of time in trying to solve problems that really don't need to be solved. And like the the basic tools and how to run the business better. Something that I've always had inside of me that's been key to my success from day one is a, a relentless attitude for growth. And it's why I called the book Relentless AF, but AF is also for end fun, right? Like, cause you can be relentless and have fun at the same time. And I found that when I'm truly having the most fun is to be pursuing something bigger and more challenging and greater than I've ever done before with absolute passion and focus and have a ton of fun while doing it. And that so if someone is stuck where they're just coping i'm like i think sometimes we forget that we can we are not fixed right like it's not oh well tiger can't change his stripes i'm like well sure we have a certain way of doing things but how do we leverage our talents our unique things that we do and like focus on blowing those up and making them bigger and better than ever before 
something I learned years ago was um, this concept from Dan Sullivan uh, from Strategic Coach, and it's about unique ability. And what are you good at and what do you love to do? And the combined things together is insanely powerful. Let me help you understand what I mean. So I would go into these meetings in this nonprofit work that I did. And I was, it was at the end of the day, it was 7 p.m. at night. I'd had a long day, busy week. And I'm like, oh gosh, I've got this meeting to go to, but I made a commitment, so I'm gonna go. And I was like dead tired. I'd go to the meeting and two hours later, I'd walk out of that meeting like, that was amazing. This is so good. Let's go for a beer and keep talking about this. There was like a significant boost in energy and what happened in that time frame. And I'm like, it happened not once, but multiple times over and over again. I'm like, well, what's happening in that two hour time period? I'm like, well, for me, it was coaching, right? And helping people and challenging people and pushing them to be better and helping them see themselves in a different way. And I'm like, huh, interesting. And so I was working in my sporting goods business at the time and I'm like, Oh, this coaching thing is really fascinating for me. What would that look like if it became a profession? And so I'm like, well, I'm an amateur coach. I, you know, I coach lots of people, but I have no training and I've got a bit of experience in this kind of thing. So, you know, could I make this a business one day? I'm like, well, how do I go about changing that? So I intentionally went about going and changing it. And sure enough, one day it was time to make that move. And I did it and it's gone insanely well. The details of this story, I'm not telling you not to help you share my story, but help you understand your own. And that everybody has superpowers and they have these things that are gonna give us boosts of energy. And what are those things that, now we may, be, we may love doing something but not be good at it. I joke that that's me in golf. Like I should never be a professional golfer um, because I just do not have natural ability to golf beyond like the average golfer. Um, whereas other things, definitely the time I put in, I get this massive lift in learning and it, uh, my expertise grows very, very quickly in areas that I have natural abilities and a love for doing it. Alternatively, I'm very good with numbers. So I have natural ability with numbers, but I don't love working with them every day. So again, it's like, ah, I could be an incredible finance person or accounting or something, but kill me now. I don't want to do it if I have to do more than half an hour of it. I'm like, I'm out, I'm bored. And so understanding the confluence of the two of love and are great is this been this huge learning for me, but even more unbelievable is watching and helping other people understand the same thing about themselves. And I've had people that were like, they spent 25 years in an arena and an area of work that they're actually not hardwired to do. And so they're faking it constantly and they were having to work. Oh, I work like 60 hours a week. And well, that's because you're in panic mode, excuse me, in panic mode so often and running on the hamster wheel, trying to keep up because you're actually not hardwired to do this kind of work. Your gifts are elsewhere. And they kind of like pause and they're like, oh my God, like you're, you're right. And my husband told me like, oh yeah, like when you get busy, everything falls apart. Because you're not that organized. And 
they, they were in an organizational world and their whole job was organizing people. And I'm like, can I give you some feedback? And they're like, sure. And I'm like, your gift is with people, right? You walk into the room, you light up the room, you love creating relationships and helping people. Like you're, what, what if your future career went this direction? And, you know, it's like these, I've had this type of thing happen over and over for me. So understanding that, you know, you might listen to me and are like, oh, that totally resonates with me. That's really interesting. Maybe I should go be a coach. I was like, yeah, but is that, are you getting that same energy lift? Are you, are you actually hardwired to do this kind of work? And then, you know, are you crazy passionate about it? It just fulfills your life purpose. And I think if we find the confluence of those two things, it, it can become absolutely life-changing. When, when I shifted into the coaching world, people would go up to me, Martin, and they go, something about you has changed. And they would like do this with their hands. And I'm not like a, an aura guy or a woo like, but they were like, they were just making these shapes with their hands. And they're like, something's changed about you. And it's, because I think I'd fallen into that spot of, well, I, I intentionally pursued a space that fit both those things for me I love to do and great at. And it just changed how I showed up in the world. And I've seen it happen with others and it's incredibly powerful. So that would be my wish that I'd pass along to our listeners today. If you want to find out more, I wrote about it in my book, Relentless AF. And there's some exercises in there and some resources in which you can pursue that further. Uh, find out more about yourself and how you can improve. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.